Hello, welcome to my Camino the Podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company no matter where you're listening from all four corners of the globe. The download figures have been incredible. Actually, the last few weeks the graph is going off the page. So I'm most humbly grateful for the support. I never imagined when I began this journey my little podcast would resonate with so many people. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. The Camino is a UNESCO-listed pilgrimage, and pilgrimage is traditionally associated with walking to a religious site, or associated with a religious pursuit. The Camino can be all things religious and spiritual, but can also be just a great adventure. It's what you make of it, and it's a chance to live simply, forget about your worries for a while, and to take off on the trip of a lifetime. I met with some pilgrims who live on the Camino at the weekend. We dined in a Basque restaurant here in Sydney. It was a magic lunch. We laughed and wished we were back walking the narrow trails, the broad landscape, the sleepy villages, wandering among livestock. We longed for a cafe con leche with pilgrims from around the world, telling stories and making one another dream of visiting their communities to share with them the love and camaraderie we found walking El Camino. You don't really need to be super fit to walk the Camino, although putting in some miles before you go will be really helpful. You'll feel better and you'll have the chance to wear in your shoes. And I often talk about being a spreadsheet pilgrim, whether you do a lot of planning before you go. If you're walking the most popular Camino, the Francaise from saint jean pied de port to Santiago de Compostela, you're likely to find a bed provided you don't arrive in town too late. You should be fine if you leave early and arrive mid-afternoon, seven bells to four. Those of us who have walked the Camino remain in awe of its ability to draw us all together post-Camino. It's that community that draws us back. It's calling me right now. There are so many reasons not to go. It only really takes one decision to go. I hope you'll listen to this week's podcast and decide, that's it, I'm going. Start your preparation. Do a bit of reading. Listen to past episodes of My Camino, the podcast. Join Facebook groups and go. Follow your heart. There's a great old saying, adventures don't come calling like unexpected cousins calling from out of town. You have to go looking for them. My guest this week is Claudette Clausen, an Australian pilgrim. We met in Sydney's Hyde Park, a cafe con leche in front of us. Look, my apologies for the sound at the very top of the interview. There was a parade walking through. It improves after a few minutes, believe me. But I began by asking Claudette where she first heard about the Camino de Santiago. I think it was about 12 years ago, there was a movie that came out called The Way. And it uh, resonated with me uh, very, very much at the time. And I thought, I must do that walk one day. Then I pushed it aside and that was it. Never thought about it again. But that was the first time and only time, really. And then you decided, what was the the catalyst or the moment where you decided, that's it, I'm going to go, I've got to do it? I'd been living in a a protected bubble for quite some time. Uh, Got my work to a part, I got a great life, amazing friends, uh, and life was feeling very comfortable. But deep within, there was something kind of nudging me for something more not quite sure what that something more was about other than you know I put it down to a soul's yearning um, and uh, and I knew I had to to reset I had to 
step out. It's almost like a butterfly that was ready to come out of its cocoon. And I was ready to, to fly away and, and just explore and experience and connect again with the world. You know, they say that the Camino begins the, the day you decide you're going to go. Did you get that sense? Absolutely. I just felt there and then at that moment there was no turning back. I was ready to, to uh, do my research, put the plan in place. I was going to let uh, those I needed to in, in business know that uh, Claudette was taking time to, to go and explore the world. There was no turning, turning back and, and I can't wait to do it again. Are you normally a walker? Are you somebody who's walked a lot before? Yeah, I love walking and um, and I've always been a walker. My friends are very um, big in um, going for, you know, um, long walks. Uh, so it's part of the way I uh, spend a lot of my weekends. It's my way of um, reflecting on, on, on life, where I'm at in life and it's my way of meditating. It's my form of meditation, and I find it extremely healing. It's interesting how simply walking through uh, through the parks or uh, the national parks, you notice things that you wouldn't normally notice on a normal day-to-day because we're just so busy being busy. So I love it, and it is part of me and who I am. And then once you decided you were going to go, did you really ramp up your walking? Did you do any 30k days in preparation for the Camino, etc.? Yeah, I did. I think, I think it's important that um, it, it's part of the excitement. It's, it's making a commitment to yourself that um, you were going to partake in something that um, will challenge you because the Camino is about walking long distances day after day so it's very different to walking each weekend for example so yes I did and I um, I decided that I needed to make sure my ankles were going to gain in strength and my back was going to be able to support me carrying my backpack uh, so uh, I just ramped up my um, exercises went for walks every day and um, did a bit of um, strength work and I took on a personal trainer for that but that was my choice Yeah. What about getting your heart and mind in shape? How did you prepare spiritually? I'm not sure that you can prepare spiritually uh, in that spirituality for me is really a way of being it's, it's uh, the deep feelings and emotions that come up and to sit still within that moment whatever that emotional feeling is about and what's triggered it I guess for me preparing for it was to say to make a commitment to myself that it was very much about allowing myself to be in the moment to feel everything and and to, to acknowledge everything that was coming up or would come up for me and to know that it's all okay. You have a very important job, a very successful career in your business life. Can career women just drop everything and walk off into the distance? I think men and women should be able to drop it off and, and, and follow their um, 
soul's yearning. Not easy, of course. Uh, you've got other people depending on you. You've got business that uh, needs to make profit. Uh, but for too long now, I delayed um, stepping out and following my arts yearning and I knew that business could wait and I was willing to take that risk of um, should things change when I come back, so be it. Yeah. Uh, but um, it's really important to have life's balance. We can get into a routine where we get up each day and we do what we do first thing in the morning, get dressed, go to work and it's all about business and then we get home, it's exhausting. And then another year's gone in another year and then you realise, well, uh, what am I doing? Is it it? And for me, that's uh, really what drove it. I had a bigger why I wanted to leave that business world behind and follow that heart's yearning. Um, and I knew it was only for a time. Mind you, now that I'm back, I wish I could carry on and live the life of a pilgrim. But... No, to answer your questions, definitely men and women can and should do it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Isn't it? And if my listeners could see the look on, <laughs> on Claudette's face when she said that, I could tell that she'd love to be the pilgrim. When we, when we rally up the courage to go, it's often our friends and family who have doubts. Uh, what do those around you make of you heading off on your Camino? They thought it was very adventurous of me. Uh, but very excited too. They'd been nudging me for some time to to take time off work. Uh, you know, we were talking about work before. They uh, they were nudging me and said, "Look, Claudette, it's time for you now to to just go and uh, explore explore the world." So excitement, uh, supportive, extremely supportive. However, I also know they were a little bit nervous uh, because I was travelling on my own. Um, but the excitement of um, of them uh, knowing that yeah, I was taking that step of I'm ready now was probably um, um, more the gift. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, so yeah. the support was endless. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good way of looking at it, isn't it? But when we rally up the courage, as I said, to go. Uh, friends and family have their concerns but you say just okay I'm going to do it and I'm really excited about it and you have the energy and the spiritual courage to do it but what about walking alone as a woman now I, I probably politically incorrect to say that but what about walking alone as a woman look I think whether you're a woman or a man you need to always have your wits about you but yeah particularly more so as a woman um, I was very apprehensive I wanted to ensure I was going to stay alert um, the the positive there is um, when you are alone, you tend to attract those that you meant to attract. I guess like attract like, and I met so many more people because people tend to leave you alone if you're with someone else. Um, however, the downside is that um, yeah, you needed to be uh, always on the alert. I guess particularly. If um, you were staying away from your other fellow uh, walkers, in my case on the Camino, was you know um, there were occasions like that, and uh, I needed to to listen to my intuition and always make sure I stepped up if I didn't feel comfortable or didn't feel a situation felt right. 
uh, to just do what I needed to do and, and take care of myself in that way. It is challenging, but I would do it again. Yeah. But why did you decide to go on your own? Now, I'm certain you would have been able to find someone to go with you if you'd wanted to. Yeah, many of my friends wanted to come with me. I, I really felt that I um, needed to to be in the moment on that walk of the Camino, meaning I needed to not think, I needed to allow myself to feel, and walking with someone uh, was a friend, uh, more likely a lot of the conversation would have been around things that we normally talk about back home. I didn't want the Camino to be about that. I wanted the Camino to very much be about whatever comes up is meant to come up for me and I wanted to be in touch with that. Then let me ask you this. Did you walk with or for a particular purpose? (coughs) Um, I guess, yes, the purpose for me was... um, There was a deep, deep um, feeling of emptiness within me that I couldn't really understand because around me um, I've got every reason to feel very satisfied, blessed uh, and joyful about life. And I, and I am. However, that, 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 that dark place or that dark feeling that I had deep inside it was almost like a big fat tear that wanted to come out that somehow I'd held back and I wanted to allow myself create space in my world for it to come out and for me to know I am okay but finally releasing it and to move forward with whatever was ahead of me uh, so that the purpose was that big fat tear needed to be released mm. and I didn't understand what it was I, you know, being working in radio, I've had the same job for 16 years, and I had, and you was going to talk to you, Claudette, and I, I wrote half the script. I always have a script. I've got a seven or eight page script in front of me here, and I couldn't find it. I'm hopeless at where I put my things in the wrong folders. I'm always doing things like that. So I just put a search into the into the computer, and two stories came up from 2005, and I thought, wait a minute, that what's happening there? And I opened one of them and it was about Clara your daughter I had written two news stories in 2005 about your daughter Clara now why don't you tell us the story now you just mentioned that you had a big fat tear that had you had carried for a long time tell us about Clara firstly um, I'm surprised you wrote the, the two articles so thank you, thank you. Um, Clara was my only daughter, the centre of my life, uh, my greatest joy, my greatest gift. And um, she went on a school camp. It was really a tragic accident uh, that occurred that night. She was on a leadership camp and she was one of the um, leaders of um, the little girls that were experiencing their first camp away from home 
and um, they were that evening um, sleeping in a tent uh, amongst trees and the stars uh, and Clara had another little girl uh, sleeping with her and uh, apparently they, they shared lots of uh, beautiful stories but in the middle of the night there was a, a storm um, that uh, with enormous lightning that resulted in a huge gum tree falling um, and and crush uh, little Clara to death uh, I believe she died instantly but um, the news of Clara's death the, the very next day also crushed my my world and the world that I knew forever, the, the centre of my life, my, my raison d'être was taken away from me. Um, but I never questioned why me. Uh, I had absolute acceptance there and then. I always believe um, that, um, you know, good things and bad things happen to good people and bad people. I was never arrogant enough to think, why should it be somebody else's mother? Uh, and I accepted that God needed Clara there and then and she was going to be the little angel looking over me and, and looking o over us from up above and that's been the case ever since. But thank you for writing the article, Dan. I'm very touched to know that. When I, when I opened the, the file, I read it and, well, first of all, I was astounded that these two worlds were colliding the way they were. <laughs> the second thing was that I wrote that uh, Clara used to visit nursing homes after school and she was that person that would wait after school for the little girl with Down syndrome to help her um, when all the other children had walked away. No mother charts a course in life without or thinking that their child is not going to be there for the majority of that journey. Yet here you are and talking before we started the interview, you said to me, oh, I'm okay. How, do you, how on earth are you okay? How? Because I, uh, even in Clara's death, I could see the beauty. So I often describe Clara's death as the tragic beauty. So firstly, I'm grateful that she had chosen me as a mother. And I was the blessed mother who had this amazing child in my my care for for 16 wonderful years so that is something I'm forever so grateful about and that keeps joy in my heart um, I uh, know that Clara's death touched so many people an entire community was behind us for days and weeks and months and even now people would come up to me and say I, I watch how you've uh, moved on with um, uh, gratitude and joy in life and, and I'm learning so much and I've become a better parent or the younger people saying I've become a better friend because of Clara's death so there's so much that I'm grateful for um, and again as I say just reflecting on her death as being a tragic beauty just simply fills my heart with love and, and gratitude and that keeps me going I'm aware that um, people do notice what I do and what I say. I don't want to be conscious of it, but I'm aware. And, and therefore, if the way I live my life inspire others to also look for beauty even out of things that may appear so ugly, 
then I'm making a difference and this is how I'd like to live my life and, and for this I'm blessed. Yeah. Are you, would you consider yourself religious or are you a, you're clearly a spiritual person? We've been talking about spirituality here this morning. But uh, how how's the Camino sit with that spirituality and what did you discover about yourself? Firstly, I was born a, a Catholic. Um, yes, as a little girl, went to church every Sunday. Very, very special little ritual for our family. And I treasure, treasure that very much. Um, but as I um, became an adult, I guess, spirituality became more the way I live my life. Spirituality is about a faith. It's about knowing that um, and feeling and believing that there is some higher forces uh, above and everything is for a reason. Um, and uh, n- knowing that if we look for the positive out of something that may appear negative, we will find it and there is always a gift and it's part of our growth. This is what I mean by spirituality. So the Camino, yes, allowed me to... to, to I had many moments where that was proven to me over and over again that it is the way we choose to look at life and the way we choose to to look at whatever it is that we're experiencing in the moment. And there is always something good. And if we hold on to that, it's amazing how it really opens our heart and and it allows us to find more to give of ourselves. It isn't always about us, is it, Dan? You know that. And you're an example of it. It's about... So the Camino allowed me to also listen to the stories of the others. That was something I was so much looking forward to because it isn't about us. When we start to step outside of ourselves and to really listen to other people, we realise that there are some amazing, incredible people there that have probably experienced so much more. And yet, they too looking and finding beauty in everything about life. So the Camino, yeah, it confirmed this for me. Yeah. So what did you find most rewarding about the, when you walked the Camino? Meeting so many people yeah. from different parts of the world. Yeah. This is what the Camino is about. And you asked me earlier on about was what, what was the purpose behind me doing the, 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 the Camino. It was to connect with as many people as I could, to hear their stories, to, um, to then, uh, you know, not that I ever questioned that before, but to, to have it, um, to be reminded day in and day out that in truth we all connected. We're all searching for that meaning in life. We're all searching for making a difference in life. And, um, and I found that over and over again to the people I met. Goodness, oh, I hold them so dearly in my heart. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every one of them. Yeah, it's so fantastic, isn't it? And I still keep in touch with people I, I walked with in 2016. And, and we have a special bond yeah, it's just magic. It's just so wonderful. And then even people like you and I today, I mean, we, we got together, we're having coffee here, and it's you, when we met, you said it's like I'm meeting an old friend. And it's true, isn't it? Yes. You can meet other Camino yes. people, whether it's at a conference or if it's a celebratory mass or something, or you meet someone through another friend and you start to talk about it. I had lunch with some people in a Basque cafe in the city here last week. Just magic. Yeah. Just magic when uh-huh. pilgrims get together. They love to laugh and make one another feel happy and yeah feel joyful it's just such a wonderful thing 
we talked about what was rewarding. What, what did you find challenging on the Camino? And, and I don't necessarily want the answer or expect the answer from a, a woman walking on her own, but just generally, what did you find challenging? The walk wasn't challenging. Um, it was more at the end of the walk. Um, there were some occasions where I was actually being sent out of the main town um, for the night and I found myself isolated from my fellow walkers. That's an interesting story. Tell us that story. Yeah. So one uh, one Sunday afternoon, actually, I remember walking through this beautiful place called Pandavila, and the, the city uh, was buzzing with everyone out doing their thing, buskers everywhere, uh, Every corner of the street, people were eating, drinking, singing, dancing. And I realised that I actually had to cross the bridge. I don't know any of you listeners, if you've been to Pontevilla, you'd, you'd, you you'd be able to see the bridge I'm talking about. And according to the map that I was given, my accommodation was meant to be just on the other side of the bridge. When I got to the other side of the bridge looking for the street that I, my accommodation was meant to be at. I was nowhere to be found and I got lost and I had to walk what seemed like hours and hours. But in truth, it may have only been another hour, which is quite a lot after walking yeah, eight hours yeah. that day. I was totally lost, exhausted. Um, I, I remember just sitting on the corner of the street crying, not knowing what to do next. Um, then fortunately a lovely family um, came towards me and they were very kind and um, in the end we did find my accommodation when I got there I was taken through what looked like a beautiful casa a beautiful home and um, the lady that let me in uh, was the caretaker and couldn't speak a word of English and directed me to follow her I found myself stepping out of, um, of the beautiful casa and walked uh, to the end of this huge garden. All I could see at the end was this little shed. And I thought, I wonder what on earth she was going to show me in that shed. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe it's something very special and uh, I was going to be open to it. As she opened the door, I could see that... It looked like a a room. It had a bed, but not much else. And she pointed to me, saying, which indicated this is where you're going to be staying. And I looked at her, trying to uh, understand what was going on, and she couldn't really explain to me. Then she decided to bring her son, who spoke English, and got her son to speak with me. And so I asked him, I said, look, I don't understand. Your mother's taken me into this shed. Uh, what am I meant to do here? And he explained that this is where I was staying. I was horrified. And he explained that because I was on my own, the, the uh, owners of the casa decided to take the weekend away. So the, his mother was the caretaker and she was just coming to let me into the property for the night. 
I was horrified then. It was just um, I was a huge shock. I was afraid. I, I started to get dark. I realised I didn't have even a bottle of water to take that night. And the next day I was going to start the journey again and I needed some water to take with me and, and I knew that there'd be no way of me getting the fresh water. Uh, so I stayed awake all night. I couldn't wait for daylight to arrive. Um, and that was quite an experience. I, was, I, was, I felt very vulnerable. I was scary. And I was too, interestingly enough, I was too embarrassed to tell my fellow walkers the next day yeah. that this is how I spent the night because they wouldn't have believed me. But I took photos. I'll show you one day. That is quite a story. Um, let's step back onto the Camino for a moment. Um, did you do much preparation in terms of where you'd stay each night? I mean, did you know ahead of time? Yeah, look, that... Uh was important for me a because it was the first time I was actually going to be traveling solo to places I'd never been to before so I wanted to have the reassurance that each night I had a place that I knew I'd be staying at and not have to worry about accommodation as I'm uh, walking along the track so it was all planned out and my agent used someone um, local to uh, organise and pre-book the accommodation for me. Um, and when I set off on my journey, I had every reason to, to feel excited to know that that was all in place. Yeah. But the lesson there, you know, Dan, I always look for the lesson. The lesson is you can plan right to a T, but if God has another plan for you... <laughs> there's another plan for you and it's part of your growth and I'm grateful for all of that. <laughs> the plan didn't work out. Not always, no. What was a highlight of your Camino? Just one highlight. Wow, wow. Oh, look, I think at the end of the day uh, it was uh, arriving into Santiago de Compostela itself uh, to, to see the faces of my other fellow walkers that I'd met along the way to dance in the square as if nobody was watching um, and then to um, attend the pilgrim mass was really something special I remember looking around and there wasn't a single dry eye in that chapel and when my name was called out because I was receiving my Compostela, not that that was the reason why I did the walk to begin with. However, at that moment, I thought, wow, that is very special. And the energy all around me was just full of blessings and, and joy and emotions and spirituality. And it's a moment I, I will treasure in the deepest part of my heart forever. Even if you're not spiritual or, or, or Christian in any sense, that moment would have to have touched you. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't help I couldn't help feeling a great appreciation for other people's stories and we just touched on it a little while ago. I really enjoyed listening to people. It's a great honour, isn't it? To, to walk alongside people and to hear them and to take the time to listen. That is the gift of the Camino, yeah. uh, to, um, to listen 
and Willie here and to all their presence not to overtake their stories by you starting to tell your stories um, that to me that is um, that is a that was one of the greatest gifts uh, from uh, the Camino journey everyone had something very special and very touching to share in saying that too they were all so very respectful they didn't expect anyone to just suddenly come up and talk about their grief or pain or whatever it is they may have been experiencing but rather allow for whatever it is that whoever it was wanted to mm. open up and share mm. that is a gift isn't it yeah. if only we had we made time each day and if we, if we could only live our life in this way how much more beautiful this world would be you can say that again you can say that again you're originally from Mauritius aren't you and and you would speak French oui. well oui. what about uh, Spanish no I don't speak Spanish um I wish I did uh, because a lot of places I went to where they didn't speak English or French so it was rather challenging to uh, to make myself understood um, but no I'd love to speak Spanish the Mauritians are uh, made up of cultures from all around the world really um, and they're very proud of that place on the planet did the Camino help you reassure you yourself of your place on the planet yeah, and that's a good point, Dan. I think um, coming from a place like Mauritius um, definitely is part of uh, uh, part of well, it's the ta- part of the tapestry of my life very much so. And uh, I was brought up to really be respectful of uh, the different religions, the different race, um, and. Um, and I, um, I was brought up also to to have a real sense of first and above all, yes, I'm Mauritian with a French heritage. However, um, I'm really part of all the others uh, that call themselves Mauritian, be it that they're Indian or uh, Asian or, or, or whatever Portuguese or whatever the case may be. So. Doing the Camino, I could see a little bit of me in everyone that I met. Uh, it was like a, a beautiful um, bowl of fruit salad where, you know, uh, each piece of fruit um, yeah. kind of retained its own yeah. individuality. But in truth, we're all part of this beautiful melting pot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's lovely. So that I re- I, that's like, yeah. You've read that, did you, somewhere? Yeah, yeah. No, but the, but if you if you open yourself to the sharing and caring experience of what is very simple, I, I, I think pilgrimage is about simplicity. Mm. You only have really a change of clothes on your back. You sleep in a room maybe with 90 other people. You know, very basic accommodation, very basic food. If you open yourself to the simplicity of it and strip back what your intentions are, by and large, it makes you a simpler person and much more open to being able to accept other people, to be able to share and care for other people. And it's where this great culture of Camino angels comes about. Did you meet a Camino angel? 
I met many Camino angels. I guess uh, the little story I shared with you when I got lost and couldn't find my accommodation and this lovely young family came to the rescue. Well, they came Camino angels. But these one uh, particular day that I remember so clearly where um, I got to this town and uh, I knew that the very next day I was going to take off on my own again, completely on my own, because those that I'd met along the way that were on the same route as me were just going on a slightly different route. So I started feeling quite apprehensive again and not knowing uh, what was kind of waiting for me at the other end and hoping I wouldn't lose my way and keep an eye on the arrow. Soon as I turned the corner at the very, very beginning of that that 30 k's or so I was doing that day, there was this amazing, gorgeous, young woman, young girl who reminded me so much of my beautiful Clara that suddenly appeared in front of me and she had a backpack with a Camino shell on her. She looked at me, I looked at her, and she asked me, are you doing the Camino? And I said, yes, I was going to ask you the same. She was feeling apprehensive like me, and we decided we were going to walk together. And that was, to me, a Camino angel because I immediately felt I was safe. I immediately felt I wasn't going to be walking alone. Uh, and I also felt my little Clara was with me because yeah. we talked about, you know, she was sharing with me the challenge she was having back home with a boyfriend, which was for her a big thing. And I felt like I was being the mother, giving her some guidance. It was an amazing moment, such a gift, and definitely my Camino angel, my main Camino angel, but lots of them. That was one of them. You know, you mentioned very early on that you felt like you had a big tear inside you that needed to come out. Did it come out? Yes, it did, um, Dan, but um, um, it it was softer than I thought it would be, so that was lovely. Um, The big fat tear was more like a, a lovely stream of almost like a a waterfall, not as big as that, but just streaming down my face. The softness surprised me, and I realised that um, what it was really about was me again being grateful for all the love and support that uh, had come out my way um, after Clara died. And... uh, I felt very warm, I felt very safe and uh, when I realised it wasn't the tsunami as I would describe some of my big tears of the past but rather it was more gentle kiss. Uh, again, my heart was filled with love and joy and uh, I was forever so grateful and it's created space within me now. I hope for more love. Yeah. Gosh, I think you're fantastic. What, what, what would you whisper into Clara's ear today, if you could whisper something to her? Firstly, I'd wanted to know that Mummy was okay. Yeah. And um, I would want her to know that um, she's deep in my heart and she's with me wherever I go. 
but I'm okay because you know I was the blessed mother she chose to take care of her while she was here for those 16 short years but I love her deeply just finally what would you say to somebody listening now who's maybe thinking about walking the Camino de Santiago follow your dreams Um, don't dream your life leave your life life is a journey not a destination and interestingly enough um, that was something that uh, when you asked me at the very beginning when, when I decided to do the Camino what was it and I remember a little quote that I used to share with Clara it was always about that don't just dream your life you've got to live your life and the last uh, school project Clara did English project was life is a journey not a destination and I remember reflecting on that at that moment that I made the decision to do the Camino and then at the end of my Camino journey it was amazing in my hotel there it was a quote absolutely in fact in in uh, St Peter's uh, Square St James Square sorry there's a foot there of a statue you'll see it next time you go this is exactly what it says don't dream your life live your life life is a journey not a destination so I would say to anyone follow your dreams bring it to reality live your life fully passionately you'd be amazed what's out there waiting for you you know a mother's love never dies Claudette they say a person doesn't die until the memories fade and Clara will be with us for a very very long time to come thank you for your honesty Claudette and thank you for sharing your story your journey and I hope that, well, I said here this with script because we were on the phone. I hope we meet one day and here we are sitting opposite each other. It's been so delightful speaking with you, to sharing your story. Walk on, keep living, sharing and caring. Uh, and finally, Buen Camino. Buen Camino, Dan. Thank you. I want to have the last word, though. Oh. You are an inspiring man. Oh. And I think the world around should hear... All of your songs, all of your stories, you are such an incredible man and you really care for humanity. You've got a great story yourself to share and yet you always make it about us. You're always creating time to listen to the stories of everyone else, but your story is inspiring and we need to hear more about your stories. Thanks, Claire. My guest this week, the Australian pilgrim Claudette Clausen. There's a great old saying, adventures don't come calling like unexpected cousins calling from out of town. You have to go looking for them. I thought Claudette's story was just absolutely magic. I've been playing you a song from my new album each week, and this week it's perfect, the perfect fit for Claudette Clausen. This song is called Dreamer. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Thank you so much for your company. Until then, buen camino. Dreamer, dream on, dream on I'm out on a limb, waiting to jump, won't talk me in Hands reach across my chest, leading me on, leading me in You like to think, you got it all sorted out
Just died, babe. I just died, and there's nothing. 